Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Derek O'Reilly, and for over 30 years, I've been a licensed London taxi driver. For 20 years, I taught the knowledge to prospective London cab drivers. During this podcast, I'm going to be joined by experts who are going to bring the forgotten and secret history of London to life. Today, I'm joined by an expert on the historical pubs of London. Hello, my name is Vic Norman, and I have a business running historical pub tours of London. I have 11 different tours, different parts of the city. And you can follow me on Facebook, London Pub Tours, or go to my website if you wanted to book or to inquire at www.londonpubtours.weebly.com. Well, Vic, nice to see you again. Haven't seen you for a couple of years. It has been a few years, hasn't it? Absolutely. I think the last time we were together was in and around the Strand and Fleet Street on a pub crawl. The Strand and Goblet pub tour. That's Remember it. it well. That's what it was. Right. How did you get started or what was your interest in pubs? Where did it all begin for you? Uh, when I was able to start drinking, I guess. <laughs> It began, or even before I was actually legally able to start drinking. I've always loved pubs. Pubs are brilliant. Pubs are, are kind of a second home, really. But in terms of the London pub tours, um, about 20 years ago, I think it started in that a friend and I would meet up. We found ourselves both in London. We'd meet up every couple of months, go to a different area of London, try and find London's oldest pub. That's a, it's a bit of a fruitless chase. But It is, yeah. It's one of the questions I constantly get asked when I'm driving a taxi is, what's the oldest pub in London? Um, as you say, a few people have laid claim to it. What's your answer? They have, and most, most cabbies I speak to will claim wrongly, that it's the prospect of Whitby. Um, now, I guess it depends upon your criteria of what is the oldest pub, yeah, because there have been pubs that are certainly like the prospect of Whitby, 15, 20, um, but it has been basically knocked down, rebuilt. Yeah. So um, if you go by the strictest criteria, it's the same building, it's the same pub, it's the same name, not rebuilt, it's been continuously operating as a pub since it opened, then it's the Seven Stars in Carey Street, behind the Royal Courts of Justice, 1602. Oh, wow, right. Okay, yeah, I've been in there once or twice. Very small, compact pub. It is. Try going upstairs. <laughs> I haven't it's tried really that one. Yeah. Mountaineering gear. So let's move out east. Let's start in the east. And what I think we'll do, we'll do a little journey um, and we'll discuss some of my pubs along the way. Um, a lot of these I haven't actually been into. I've okay. dropped people off, so I'm relying on you to give me some information. Fair enough. So... Let's start off 
in Wapping. Now, we, we talked about uh, the prospect of Whitby. We did, yeah, which is the, well, probably the most historic, not probably, definitely the most historic and most amazing pub um, in Wapping. In, it's in the Charles Dickens books, I believe. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there are actually so many pubs in, in the Charles Dickens books. I mean, a lot of pubs say Dickens drank here, and I'm like, well, it's nothing special. We drank everywhere. It's a bit of a lush. Um, I always say the only pub that Dickens never drank in was the Dickens Inn and uh, St. Catherine's Docks. But um, yeah, Dickens wrote about pubs, and he loved having a drink, and he, he walked all over London and drank nearly everywhere. But prospected Whitby, 1520. Okay, we'll come back to Riverside pubs a little bit later because okay. I, I want to. I love the river. And the pubs attached to it. So if we move further in, um, can you tell me anything about sort of the city pubs? Give me, talk to me about a few that are in the city that you would recommend. Okay, so you're, yeah, so the city being the kind of buffer zone between the East End and then moving into central London. There are some great pubs in the city and, um, I think from because I do a lot of tours of people coming to London, visiting London, they never really go to the city of London. They, you know, go to the West End, they'll go to Soho, they'll be all, you know, um, has many, a reputation but they don't go to the as city. being a sort of a, an office suits pubs, don't they? Yeah, of course. And I think that that actually is going to change what with um, the fallout from the pandemic. If you've if you've had an office and paid £100,000 a year to rent it and uh, realised you can run your business from home for the last two years, why would you come back? Yeah. And so what we'll see is all these kind of rent an office for a day type things, setting up you work, and uh, etc. But there are some great pubs. I mean, the Counting House in Cornhill. Ex-Victorian Bank, Prescott's Bank, 1893. Absolutely. So that's pub. been converted from a bank to a pub. Yeah, there's quite a few um, a few pubs that used to be other things. They haven't always been pubs. There's right. one of them. Um, very similar to the old Bank of England on Fleet Street, um, which now is a double-decker bus in its beer garden, fantastically. But uh, they're very, very similar, kind of five years apart in terms of when they were built as banks, but they no longer are banks and now pubs. Right. So I used to live around the corner from the Hoop and Grapes of yes, Allgate. Yes, yes. Now, that always makes claims. Tell me a little bit about the Hoop and Grapes. OK, so the Hoop and Grapes is the oldest pub in the city of London. And I'm, for anybody listening, um, I'm not saying the oldest pub in London. There are two cities in London and yes. 32 boroughs. City of Westminster, City of London. So Square Mile is the oldest pub in the city of London. They have a bricked up tunnel. They claim... They claim that it goes to the tower, but I was speaking to a bee feature on Twitter and he said, that's impossible. How would you get under the moat? Uh, that's a fairly good point. But it's a great pub. You go, you walk you walk up there from Oldgate Tube and the doors and the windows are kind of at a crooked angle and that, and it makes it all the better for it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, good food yeah. in there also. Yeah. Lednall Market, another place that fascinates oh, me. That... I am constantly surprised by the amount of people who don't even know Leadenhall Market. I have a tour, my city tour, that finishes in the Lamb and Leadenhall Market. And we turn around the corner from Gracechurch Street going into Leadenhall Market and people's faces just, how have we missed this? It's beautiful. It was Dick Whittington, who was actually four times Lord Mayor of London, not three times. Dick Whittington was the prime force behind getting a market created there. Obviously, it was remodelled in Victorian times, but the Lamb 
been a working market pub there since the 1780s. John Wayne was thrown out of the window there in, in one of his films. Lara Croft drove past there. Dickens adaptations have been filmed there. Hagrid took Harry Potter um, to Diagon Alley walked through Leadenhall Market. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, marvellous place. Oh, John Wayne got through a pub window. Yeah, through the lamb. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I didn't realise that. OK, so we'll move on up towards... You You mentioned the counting house there on Cornhill. Mm. Um, so let's stick around the sort of bank junction area. Are there any other gems in that area that you think we should have a, a chat about? I love the Jamaica Wine House. Do you right. know it? Yes, I do. It's down the little alleyway. Yeah, the jam pot, as, as it's known to its locals. Da- yeah, down the alleyway by St. Michael's Cornhill. Beautiful exterior. Wren Church, 87 churches destroyed in the fire. Wren was in charge of rebuilding them. Um, but... The Jamaica Wine House was actually London's first ever coffee shop. We think of as Britain as being a tea drinking nation, but coffee was all the rage. You go back to the 17th century. Tea came much, much later, the empire, etc. Um and it was and coffee shops sprang up all over London. They were fiercely competitive for trade. Different professions would have their preferred meeting place in a coffee shop. This was the first ever coffee shop. And in an era when pubs are closing and becoming coffee shops. It's nice to know that the reverse was true because London's first ever coffee shop became that beautiful pub, the Jamaica Wine House. Absolutely. I think I'm ashamed to say I don't think I've ever had a cup of coffee in the pub. But anyway, that's another story. Well, so if we if we sort of continue our stroll from east to west, mm. um, let's move a little bit Fleet Street. You mentioned Fleet Street and the old Bank of England. We yep. talked about the seven stars at the back of Fleet Street there it in Carey Street. Yeah. There is another very famous old pub on Fleet Street. Well, it's a couple, actually. Because, uh, just, I mean, yeah, yeah. At one point, there were many, many until, yeah, kind of yeah. journalism um, printing about moved the old out. Cheese. Yes. So, my favourite story about the, uh, there's so many stories about the, the old Cheshire Cheese. So, obviously, it was rebuilt in 1667. Okay. Um, when I first went there, my first ever trip there, I was researching a tour and it's got plaques saying rebuilt 1667. I went in and asked him, why was it re-? He said, we had a little fire around here, sir. Brilliant. Typical London. But after the fire, when London was completely ravaged, that was the first public building to be rebuilt in London. What do we need? We need a hospital or clinic, homes. No, no we built we a pub. A pub. Yeah, English priorities. Yeah, priorities. And it's six right. and a half floors tall. Yeah, be careful about the half floor. Uh, Dickens drank there, wrote about it in A Tale of Two Cities. Um, Yates drank there. Um, many, many poets and writers drank there. Yeah, I know Mark it's... Twain visited it. and I believe Oh, I don't he, yes, know he, that, did he? Apparently he started to pen Huckleberry Finn in there. Um, obviously finished it when he went back to the States. Brilliant. But that's, he's been in there. Now, moving along at a pace, like I do when I have a pint, um, we've got an oldest Irish pub in London, also on Fleet Street. The Tipperary? Tipper- yes, the Tipperary. Well, no, here's, here's a story about the Tipperary that's um, possibly apocryphal. I don't know. But you know the song, It's a Long Way to Tipperary? I do. Apparently, it's not about Tipperary and Ireland. It's about that pub. Oh, right. That would so, make sense. Yeah, Leicester Square, uh, yeah. Tipperary. It's a lot, you know. But I've heard this story a couple of times. I haven't verified whether it's true. But, hey, why spoil a good story with facts? Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. So we're in the, we've sort of talked about Fleet Street. Yeah. Um, let's move into where I currently live, or hopefully I stay living there, is Holborn. Okay. 
Give me some good. So you pubs. pronounce it uh, interest. You pronounce it as Holborn. Well, I get told. Do off. you? I yeah. get told off. My I, wife Holborn. A, yeah, it's exactly what my wife says. She's a native of the area, and she calls it exactly the same as you. Well, so, so I don't know. So yeah, which is right? Because um, yeah, the pronunciation of certain so Holborn or Holborn or Hoban. I always say Hoban because I yeah. think that's she says possibly Holborn more as right. well and tells yeah. me off every time I call it Holborn. But there we are. Fair, fair enough. She's a good woman. Um. The finest gin palace in London uh, is at Hoban, a stone's throw from Hoban Tube Station. It's the Princess Louise. I'll be there in a few hours' time running Fantastic a tour. Fantastic pub inside. I've been inside Glorious. there many times. It takes you back. Give me a description of it. Oh, well, so first of all, you've got to understand what a gin palace is. Um, the reason why they're called gin palaces is because these buildings uh, were like miniature palaces. Etched glass mirrors, marble tiling, ornate wooden panelling over-the-top lighting and decor, and you walk into the Princess Louise and the tiling is everywhere, beautiful tiling. Mm. As you walk down the corridor on your right-hand side, you've got little semi-private booths that kind of front the bar that you can go and sit in, maybe get half a dozen people in, etc. And then it's a big horseshoe bar on the ground floor. There is an upstairs, but it's not much to write home about. But it's the ground floor is where it's at. The mirrors, uh, the glass, the marble. Uh, the fact that the Victorians did this when they didn't have to, the same as many other things the Victorians did. They never had to do this, but I'm so pleased that they did. And they're called gym palaces because, of course, as well as being palatial and beautiful and ornate, they would have primarily sold gin. Lovely. Now, when I finished in the Princess Louise, I <laughs> pop yes. across to another pub called The Ship. Yes, round the back of Hoban Station. Yes. Yeah, by Great Turnstile there. Fronts onto Lincoln's yeah, <clears throat> It's a lovely pub. And... So many people who have been to the ship actually don't know what, what the upstairs is like. They should definitely take a trip upstairs, even if they don't go to eat in the beautiful panelled dining room that's upstairs. That's that's a wonderful place. Um, it's got some history attached to it, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, originally it was, it was catering for the workers uh, who were... Uh, feed and drink the workers, uh, give food and drink to the workers working on the fields of the, the area when, when that all was fields. Um Priests, when when we had uh, a lot of conflict between Catholicism and Protestantism, the priests would kind of go behind the bars if they were, you know, on a Sunday as if they were serving as landlords in order to kind of and then conduct mass when nobody was there. And many of the priests that kind of were were, were caught doing so and ran away uh, or in, downstairs into the cellar, etc. And and uh, yes, it advertises its priest hole. It's one of its sort of famous uh, famous signs outside. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. So now, just around the corner from where I live mm. is the Queen's Larder, which, again, I know has an incredible historical story yeah. attached to it. Yeah. So I've got 10 different pub tours. Each pub tour has five or six pubs on it. Um, out of all those pubs, this one is the smallest. It's a small pub, but it also carries its own health and safety warning. If you've got a fear or phobia of clowns, you should definitely stay outside and get somebody to pass your drink because um, an ex-landlord left a load of kind of creepy clowns because they are creepy, um, just staring at you as you walk in. But the Queen's Larder, the name comes from the fact that in the early 18th century, it wasn't a pub, it was a beer shop. And um, King George, Mad King George to some, when he took ill, he was treated for some time in Queen Square, just, just up from there. It's still famous for institutions of medicine, hospitals, etc. around there. Um, 
His wife, Queen Charlotte, rented the basement of the beer shop to store the delicacies that she knew her husband loved, so that when she visited from the palace, she'd have sent down to the basement, pick up some things, take them over to George. He wouldn't know what they were. He was mad. Anyway, never mind. By 1799, it was no longer a beer shop, and it became the pub that it is now, and they called it the Queen's Larder after that story. Right, because there is a panel, again, outside the pub where they give a brief listing of the history, but obviously... the with a small sign, you can't go into too much detail. Yeah, I tell it better anyway. <laughs> Absolutely, of course you do. Now, if we leave Queen Square, where the Queen's Larder is, and we yes. have a short stroll away to Lamb's Conduit Street, there's another pub that occasionally I drive past. The Lamb? Absolutely. Yeah, what a great name for um, a road, first of all, Lamb's Conduit Street. Yeah, yeah. It's so, half of it's pedestrianised, you can't drive up it, um, but it's... Great little pub. Yeah, so both the road and the pub are named after William Lamb. 1577 brought fresh water to Ho- from Hoban to the area. Uh, that's why it's called Lamb's Conduit Street and why the Lamb is also named after them. Um, so uh, this is one of the places where the Bloomsbury, we're now in Bloomsbury. So London is a London is a collection of small villages, yeah, I always think, that, that have kind yeah. of grown together over time and, and expanded because of roads and people and houses and that stuff. But you can still get that village feel occasionally in London. Bloomsbury is one of those places that you think, what a little village. We're 200 metres away from a busy London road, but we're in a little village. Wonderful. Um, the Lamb was one of the places in Bloomsbury where the Bloomsbury set, Bloomsbury group, collection of writers, artists and intellectuals, early parts of the 1900s, Virginia Woolf, etc. Um, used to meet. Um, they have an old phonograph in there, which which if you ask the uh, staff nicely, they'll go and play. And they're, they're worth tens of thousands of pounds, these things. Um, they still have the original snob screens above the bar, so frosted glass panels on a central pivot that you could rotate, uh, keep closed so that the bar staff couldn't see you. So kind of the snobbery, and you'd flip them open uh, to order your uh, your alcoholic beverages from the, from the bar staff. And they were called so would a lot of screens. pubs have had those They would have done that. They removed them because they're, they're, they're a pain, really. You want to keep flipping this back and forward if, you know, and yeah. anymore. And you still see some pubs who have obviously taken the snob screens out and they've put them up about 20 foot up in the air. Um, and people are, what are those? You know, we didn't have giants back then. So... Um, they kept the feature, but not where they originally would have been, whereas right. the, uh, the lamb kept them in the original So place. while we're on the subject there, yeah. we'll have a little pause and we'll have a, a pint in the lamb. Pub architecture. Yes. Now, you mentioned that um, a lot of, or not a lot, that's the wrong word to use, but some buildings have been converted into pubs. Sure. And sadly, some pubs not so much now, but in the past, have stripped themselves of their historical fittings. Um, What's your feelings on this subject? (sighs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. As, as somebody who loves history and somebody who loves pub, I'm incredibly saddened by these things. And as somebody perhaps who doesn't take to uh, change in these things, uh, one of my beloved pubs closed yesterday and I'm very sad for what's going to happen to it, but we'll talk about that maybe later. Um, I get it from their perspective. Maybe they're not making a lot of money. Maybe they've got to try and remodel it to kind of boost the business because, you know, you've invested in a pub, particularly if it's a free house as opposed to you're not getting support from a, a, a beer company or a brewery, etc. You need to make it work. And maybe they think that's the way to make it work. And look, it's, you know, there are some pubs that are listed so protected by law, grade one, grade two, whatever. Uh, and a lot of pubs that are historic that aren't listed to get a preservation order might take some time and energy in order to get that done. And so they can just go about doing whatever they want. And I understand it from their point of view, but I just think once it's gone, it's gone yeah, forever. Yeah, it's my view as well. Yeah. And, you know, we're not getting them back. Nobody's building pubs. No, we'll come on to that a bit later, about yeah. the closure of pubs. Um, yeah. And in a few moments we might discuss further this sort of historical architecture of pubs and how they were designed etc um but at the moment we've just finished our drink in the lamb on lamb's conduit Street. how many drinks have we had now <laughs> i can't I'm, I'm losing track well, so we're down lucky, onto about eight pints now well lucky we're walking i'm not in the taxi you're walking today. i'm staggering <laughs> yeah. so let's move along go on and we'll leave um the sort of holborn area behind us and mm. we'll move into soho Let's have a wander around Soho. Always good. Always good to wander around Soho. Um, it's always been a great place to go out, hasn't it, Soho? Yeah. Uh, original a hunting cry, Soho. You know, think of Tally Ho. Soho is a hunting cry Soho. in that way. Yeah, yeah. precisely. Um, Pub-wise, come on. Pub-wise. Dog and Duck. Oh, right, yeah. Bateman, corner of Bateman Street. That's yeah. a gin palace style. Also quite small. Um, we hunted with dogs to catch ducks. Hence, you know, it's, oh, right. it's a hunting, okay, yeah. hunting term. Sense. Soho yeah, was hunting ground. Yeah, so Dog and Duck. Um, in fact, the Museum Tavern opposite the British Museum used to be called the Dog and Duck before the museum opened because uh, that was hunting territory oh, right. as well. But so Dog and Duck gets its name from it's a very popular pub name, not the most popular pub name in London or even, or what even the, the country. What is the most popular pub name in London? The most popular pub name in London is the Prince of Wales. The most popular pub name in the country is the Red Lion. Right. Okay, yeah, Dog yeah. and Duck, though, is up there. But Dog and Duck in Bateman Street, uh, that's a lovely pub. The Duke of Argyle. Um, uh, round the corner 
the corner of Great uh, Great Windmill Street. Uh, beautiful Sam Smith's pub. That is lovely. Uh, Argyle Arms further up towards Oxford Street is is really, really good as well. Have any of them got historical the connotations? Oh, the Clacken. The yes. Clacken, you know the yeah. Clacken? Oh, Gaelic for meeting place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, when I get a few... I had a couple of Scots guys in the taxi few weeks ago and they were saying to me is there any genuine Scottish pubs in London I thought you took them there I took them there (laughs) they couldn't find me the name's Gaelic I mean that'll do they saw the sign and name and they were quite pleased yeah um yeah, so because obviously it's theatre land around that area yes are the pubs associated with the theatres um okay so my famous story favorite story about pubs connected to theater we have to move a little bit away from soho uh but still west end the lyceum so the lyceum tavern on strand um i've been in there with you 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 have been in there with me yeah that was a ninth pint we had (laughs) um the lyceum theater of course uh is behind there it was a record run of the lion king i don't know if they're still showing the lion king but originally when you'd watch a play in the lyceum theater and you'd left the play um you would walk through the corridor and into the pub the Lyceum Tavern, because it's the back of, you know, which is incredible. In the same way you'd go to maybe a museum or or um, a roller coaster ride in Disney or something, you'd exit through the shop. Yeah, so it's very, very clever. Uh, that That is bricked off now. But the Lyceum Tavern and the Lyceum Theatre are connected. Oh, synonymous, right. Yeah. Okay. But plenty of pubs do in, in, in Soho in the West End have kind of early deals or whatever for, for you to, you, they know you're going to see a show later or you're going to come yeah. in afterwards. It's... it's- Strange, because obviously the pubs do represent the district. I mean, we talked a few minutes ago mm. about the city representing, you know, business and the suits and, and et cetera. Um, Soho's much different to that, isn't it? It's not um, a working environment as such. It always comes across to me much more where people are going for a good night out and have a good time. It's an, every city needs an area or more than one area where this whole area is about you going out to enjoy yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's got clubs and pubs and cafes and food food stops and 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 all of that, all yeah. in one place. Wonderful. And have you ever been into Dehem's public house? I have been into Dehem's. Yeah, um, nice architecture on the outside. Um, I think I've only ever been in there once, though, so I can't really talk about it that much. But yeah, okay. I know it. Yeah. Okay. And um, coach and horses. The coach and horses. Uh, uh, which coach and horses? Well, I'm Normans. talking about Jeffrey Bernard is unwell coach and horses. Okay. So I think I'm... Is that the one that's... The, the coach and horses that's just on recently... The cor- on the corner with Greek Street there. Near Old Compton? That's it, yeah. Yeah. Hasn't that clo- that closed last year? I think it was only for refurbishment. I think... Right, because the original landlord had to leave, I think. Yeah. That's one that yeah, they call the Normans. Yeah, yeah, it? it was in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think they so, were closing it for refurbishment. Right. But, of course, sadly, and which would we'll they come re- back to yeah, in a minute, a lot yeah. of pubs have gone... What about the French house? Um, know of it, but not been in it. You've not been... OK, it's worth a visit, trust me. So, any? what's your favourite pub in the Soho area? If I said to you now, come on, Soho, we've had nine pints already. Let's have the tenth in Soho. I'm blown away by the Duke of Argyle. You are? Yeah. Have you been there? I have never been in there. I've dropped off there a few tenth times. Tenth pint? Fancy okay, a tenth we'll pint? Okay, we'll make the tenth pint. So Done. tell me about the Duke of Argyle. Well, okay. So it's another Samuel Smith's pub. I don't know what your um, listeners know about Samuel Smith. There are 37 Samuel Smith's pubs in London, many more around the country. They... One thing, and, and you know, there's good and bad that people say about Samuel Smith. The good is that they spend a lot of money um, 
restoring and ensuring and maintaining these pubs to their original right, historic yeah, that's, architecture. That's an important point and that, to make, me, yeah. is a good thing. There yeah, are absolutely. bad things that people say about Sam Smith's. I mean, their, their business model is very different. Uh, they're an outlet for their products only. Sam Smith's beer, some people yeah, like it. Yeah, I think that's most like people's it. complaint, that you can't get a variety in there. It has to be Samuel Smith's. But, yeah. yeah. And I guess they're protecting their own their own business. They're outlets for their products in the same way as breweries at um, Tide Houses are yeah, outlets for yeah, breweries no, absolutely. products. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Definitely. Um, you're a beer man and a gin man, I believe. A beer man, a gin man and a port man. Those are my kind of three drinks of choice, generally okay. speaking. I we'll will come, drink other things, but those are the things we'll I love. We'll come back to those speciality houses later. Okay. So let's cross over Regent Street and move into Mayfair. Cross over Regent Street and into Mayfair. Okay. Now, where would you take me for a pint? You've got the pick of Mayfair. I have. I think I would definitely take you to the Guinea. Right, yeah, I have been in there. Very best good. steak ever. Yeah, yeah, great it's for food. Best steak, best steak I have ever had. So yeah. they, 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 uh, then now they've now expanded across the street. Um, but um, they divided the pub into yeah. two. It's uh, been were the, there a long time, the Guinea, isn't it? Fourteen uh, hundreds. Right, yeah. Yeah, originally 1400s. Yeah. For those that are not yeah. aware of Remodelled in the 17th century. Ah, oh, right, okay. So it's another one of those, yeah. Remodelled as, yeah, they're new kids on the block, 17th century. century. Yeah. yeah. yeah and they'll go to the time. other coach and horses round the corner, Bruton Street. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. the one that sort of mocked Tudor on the outside. Yeah, there's an interesting story about it because, of course, it originally it would have looked like that. And you, when you come to it, it's kind of set slightly... Uh, off kilter to the rest yeah, of the street, yeah, it isn't is. it? Um, but because the story is that um, in the 1930s, its neighbour caught fire and the fire spread and it burnt down. And so they rebuilt it, but in the original footprint. Okay. So it it it, it, it stands where it would have stood and it looks like it would have looked. Apparently. Oh, so, so that's why. It, but, yeah, so, so 1930s quite new and not even a right, hundred yeah. years old in terms of kind of London history of pubs. But, but yeah, then um, I would definitely go and, and then I would take you to Shepherd Market. Right. Because the the like village Shepherd's within Market. the village yeah, of yeah. Mayfair. Yeah. yeah. You walk into Shepherd Market um, and it's just, it, it's, an astounding place to go that you didn't know was there, which is really the beauty of London, isn't it? You turn a different corner, you go down an alley, you check out a courtyard and it opens out into something remarkable. And you might've been in London. People say to me, I've lived here for 30 years. I've worked in this street. Didn't know that was there. Yeah. yeah. That's the beauty yeah. of London. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, definitely down Shepherd Market, nipping at the King's Arms. Right. So on a slightly more depressing tone, let's talk about pub closures. As you said, there's no new opening pubs, very or very few that, that I can think of in London that are opened recently. As I say, there's been a few conversions from other buildings into pubs. Yes. Pub closures. Right. I, I think you could divide this kind of part of the conversation into two, pre-COVID yes, and, yeah, and the during pandemic's stroke, post-COVID. Kind of no because yeah. it's not just... COVID for the reasons why pubs have been closing in this country. Um, they've been closing in this country and pubs have been going through a tough time before COVID. And gosh knows it was it was it was hard enough in COVID. But before then it was bad. Um there's all kinds of reasons why you could argue that the kind of the drinking culture, you know, that everybody going to the pub at lunchtime uh, and everybody going to the pub after work 
five days a week and occasionally on the weekend as well um, cannot be sustained. There's always, you know, you hear people say, there used to be 15 pubs in our town and now we're down to two. And that's a story that's replicated across the entire country. London is kind of artificially protected a little bit from that trend because of the sheer amount of footfall. But then there are other, other issues as well. The cost you know, now supermarkets will sell a huge range of alcohol at some decent yeah. prices. We've got large screen TVs and Netflix at home. We can get all of entertainment and some cheap booze, uh, decent booze at home. Why go and spend six, seven quid a pint um, in, in a pub? The the breweries and the beer companies obviously take their uh, pound of flesh from, and it's and the difficult. Government, remember, the well, government yeah, the, the exchequer the as well. Yeah. And between those two things, it's not very easy. If you're no. tied, you know, you're paying all this, and you're expected to pay your rent in COVID as well, which was a scandal. But anyway, um, it's not so easy. No. Yeah. So the, no. you know, no, so, I find it very so sad when I see just, a building that's been. You can, and strangely enough. You can still recognise them as pubs a lot of the time. You know, the exterior, they've yeah, turned well, them into flats or whatever. Or little shops, or particularly in the East End, you've got the green glazed tiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there was a Truman's pub at yeah. one point, yeah. you know, and, and it, oh, it looks lovely with all these green glazed tiles. Yeah, that was a pub, mate. Yeah. yeah. What's worse is when they when they paint the pub in gun gunship, gunmetal grey. Yes, that's, yeah, it's all over. It's all over once you do that. Yeah. Um, but you can, if you're, if a pub isn't doing so well and you were a investment-wise beer company or brewery with no real connection to the local community, you could sit on that, land bank it, yes, and yeah. wait until the developers come in yeah. and say, we're going to turn this pub into this block of flats and pay you a million pounds to do yeah. so. And pubs, sadly, are not necessarily protected as much as they could be. No, no, absolutely. And obviously the atmosphere, I mean, a, a crowded pub, you know, with good beer, you can't beat that atmosphere. So if I said to you yeah. now, mm. yeah, mm. let's head to your favourite pub in London, where would we be going to? Well, I'd say not only my favourite pub in London, my favourite pub in, in the world, the city of York. Oh, I was in there the other day. Why is it your favourite? I can see. I think I know why. Okay, right. Okay. City of York. When they built that pub, and it's only the if you've been in there, the ground floor of that. Uh, there is a cellar bar which we could talk about because original coffee shop from hundreds of years ago. But the ground floor is only about hundred years old. Yeah, so it's redone. But when they built that ground floor, when they did that, they wanted to build England's most perfect pub. Right, that was their intention. That was their intended aim. So, you know, the, all the craftsmen, the, you know, the, the stonemasons, the carpenters, the glaziers, whoever, wanted to build England's per most perfect pub. And, that, and they succeeded. Huge vaulted ceiling for a start. Why do you have to have a vaulted ceiling in a pub? You don't. But the fact that it's there is great. It's like a church to be at. Down the right-hand side of the pub, series of private booths. Get four people yeah. in, have a meal, a chat, and a drink, etc. Um... Down the left-hand side is the bar. Used to have the record for the longest bar in England. Now that record's been taken a few times. Now I think it's Spurs Stadium is the is the longest bar. I say the word Spurs and still manage to keep going. Um, yeah, we don't we don't talk about them too much. But anyway, being a West Ham fan, <laughs> um, uh, above the bar, 
series of huge wooden barrels. Some of them contained a thousand gallons of wine. They drained all the wine in the Blitz. You know, let's save the wine. English priorities again. Well, that would have been a great night, draining all the wine and drinking it. Um, it's just a beautiful, glorious look. If you could imagine, you know, I did think of writing to Warner Brothers at one point, but when they were filming Harry Potter saying, if you could imagine the most perfect, magical Harry Potter pub, that would be it. Right, well, on that splendid note... We'll leave it for today, and when we meet again for another few beers, we'll continue our chat. I think 10 pints is good enough for me. Absolutely. Vic, thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.